You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? And some may say, why, why, why? We give God praise for the testimony that James just helped us rest in, in thinking about the ways that God is moving in our midst, moving through us, um, moving because we simply avail ourselves to a move of God's spirit. So that's part of why we give God a hand of praise. But we also give God a hand of praise as a thank you in advance. You see, there are many things that that we are all praying about and meditating on, and, and I'm so thankful that God loves us in ways where when we get to certain points, we're going to understand that in God's own way, God was praying and meditating on those things also. And our hopes and dreams are synergizing with God's hopes and dreams in ways where we will find that there's abundance when we thought there was lack. We will find that there's hope when we thought there was despair. Well, no, no, let, let me rephrase that. We will find that there is abundance in the face of what we see as lack. We will find that there is hope in the midst of what we experienced as despair. We will actually find community in the presence of what we, what we thought and what we saw and what we had named as disunity. Because God is thinking not just about this moment that we are in, but God is also thinking about the moments that we are walking towards. And as we think about the fact that we can give praise to God now, yet also give praise to God in expectation of how God will move, some may say, now, now, now Pastor T, why, why, why are you stirring that up already? Is there anybody who can look back on your life and say that there are moments that I can name and call out where I have to testify that that was the goodness of God moving in my life? Is there anybody who can do that right now? By show of hands, is there anybody who can do that? Is there anybody who can say, oh, come on, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. Now, now, it's, I love the way life coaches and mental performance coaches would, might put it. They might say, well, what is the greatest predictor of future success or future performance? It would be past success or past performance can help you predict what might happen in the future. And so if if we can recognize that God has already moved, and if we can embrace the fact that God is moving right now, I just simply 
challenge us to embrace the fact that God is also going to move. And as we think about this salt and light experience into which we have been called. Honestly, um, you know, sometimes when this, when this moment comes up, um, this, this preach moment, which I, I, I'm going to always testify that this is part of the worship experience. It is part of the worship experience. Everything you experience from the time you walked up the steps, that's part of worship. The greeting that you experienced at the door as Pierre greeted you this morning, that is part of worship. What we experienced in the call to worship in the centering moment, that is part of worship. As Katie read scripture, part of worship, vital part of worship, because there's this, this, this conversation that's happening that we're engaged in. Every, every note of, of, of music that you heard played or sung, part of the worship. The Eucharist, part of the worship. This sermonic moment, part of the worship. And just full disclosure, sometimes when I get to this part, there is this mix of expectation and nervousness. And I won't use the word terror, <laughs> but it's like, okay, Lord, like I wanna be in that right space because everyone has just so beautifully walked in the roles you call them to walk. And I'm just, I'm asking that same thing. And I will admit that there are these moments where I'm trying to, to temper or balance the excitement of proclaiming the gospel and, and trying to make sure that we're walking through it in a way where everybody can, can get their elements of understanding. And so that's why moments like this just kind of break out for me. Because I'm excited about the things that God is doing in your life that I don't even have privy to. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about the things that all of us will eventually have privy to because of the way that each of us are going to testify what it means to walk in embracing our salt and light experience. So as the scripture comes across the screen, this morning, I'd love for you to read it with me. As it comes across the screen, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. If we could read these words together. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
the word of God for the people of God. Let us say thanks be to God. Lord, be with us this morning in this move of our worship experience and help us embrace being salt and being light. Amen. Troy, I thank you and the music team for walking us into this moment. I thank our AV team for making sure that we are good to go and on the same page. I thank those in our kids collective who right now are enjoying the boundless energy of the children who are gathered with them. And so I thank God for that. But I also thank God for the way that God speaks to us this morning as we find ourselves grounded in the fifth chapter of Matthew. And in your mind's eye, I ask that you picture a hill or maybe a mountainside. And there we have Jesus speaking to the crowd in what many have called the most important sermon ever preached in the history of humanity. We find Jesus on this hillside, on this mountainside. He's, he's speaking and some have gathered to hear his words because maybe they are the ones who can declare that he healed them. Some have gathered because they they heard he was a healer and, and, and they desired to be healed. And since they knew he was gathering the people, they decided to show up. Some have gathered because they've heard him teach before and they know the power and the authority and the authority that flows forth each time he utters a mere word. We can even speculate that there are others who are there because they have heard about this new teacher and they want to see if he really is who the folks are saying that he is. Come on, y'all now. Y'all know y'all showed up sometimes just to see if it really is what folks say that it is. They're curious. Some are curious in a way that is, that I think is filled with an expectation of experiencing something new. And some are curious because they're like, okay, is this thing just going to crash and burn? But I want to be there to see it. If it does, whichever one it is. And so they gather at the mountain, at the hillside, and they begin to hear him weaving a story. He starts weaving a story that starts speaking of the way that people who are not filled with pride, but devoid of pride, will possess the kingdom of heaven. He begins to weave a story of how those who are hurting won't continually be pounded down, but they will be comforted and uplifted Jesus begins to weave a story how it is not ones who, fill, who are filled with hubris that will inherit the earth, but it is ones who are humble that will inherit the earth. He begins to tell a story of how those hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be filled with it, how those who exhibit mercy will receive mercy in return, and how those whose hearts have been inwardly washed by God's presence will see God. 
They'll see God in their enemies. They'll see God in the strangers who become neighbors, who become friends, who become family. They will see God in the midst of destruction and how even in the midst of destruction, the walls can be rebuilt and not walls being rebuilt to keep people out, but walls that are reminding people that the ark of protection is wide and far and grand. They will see God not only in others, but they will look in the mirror and they will no longer see the words shame written on the mirror. They will no longer see the words guilt written on the mirror. They will no longer see the words no good written on the mirror. They will no longer see outcasts. And if they see the word broken, they will also see the word rebuilt replacing it. They, they see the word hated, they will see the word hate fading and they'll see the word loved coming forth. If they see the word outcast, they will see it fade and be erased by the spirit and they will see the words welcome and they will see the words you belong. They will see themselves because of what happens in their hearts as beloved children of God. And I wonder in moments like this, as the people on the mountainside looked at Jesus and Jesus looked at them. I wonder what stories their eyes told in that moment. I wonder if their eyes said to the Lord, I want to believe what you're saying, but you don't know the story of my last 22 years. I want to embrace what you're saying, Jesus. But just now, before I walked up on this hill, people that I love told me I don't matter. Jesus, I, I want to embrace this vision of which you speak. But I'm hesitant to embrace it because I don't want to be on a spiritual high on this mountainside knowing what I have to face when I go back home. It'll just be too much to go up that high to then turn around and be brought down. So Lord, I want to embrace it. But it's hard to embrace it. And in my mind's eye, I imagine Jesus standing here And if you could, I ask that you with me, imagine Jesus standing here. Looking out at those on the hillside and saying, I understand your hesitancy. 
I understand your reluctance. And I'm not even going to insult the rational intelligence that says I'm only speaking about what I've been through, Lord. But I can also see Jesus standing there, standing right there, standing right there, looking out at the people saying, I hear everything that you are saying, but you are on the precipice of a new reality. I have come to speak to life a new reality. And I know that some have told you that you are worthless. But I say that you are the salt of the earth. And why is that phrase significant, the salt of the earth? Salt. Now, when we think about salt, we just think about seasoning right now. Or we think about not too much of it being in the preservative elements of our food because it's still going to catch up with us later on. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother thing. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. But, but when Jesus speaks of salt here, he's talking about an element that's critical to everything in the fabric of this society. Yes, it is used as a preservative, salt. It is used as an element of, of, of purification. Yes, it's also used as a means of monetary exchange, salt. It's used as in rituals. It is used to describe the ways that covenant with God and the people can last, does last forever. Y'all tracking what I'm saying here? He's saying you are put here, salt of the earth. You salt of the earth. You are preserving God's presence. You are this means of divine exchange that takes us from transactional experiences together into transformational experiences. You are a reminder of God's covenant with humanity that God is going to be with us and walk with us and live through us and shine through us so that the world might not only know that, 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 that God is, is present, but that God is light. And you too are light. You are the light of the world. Light. Light meaning wisdom. Light being a reminder of abundance. Light being this reminder of, of, of creation. You know, I love the fact that sometimes, well, I always think about the fact that sometimes darkness gets such a bad rap. From a spiritual perspective. Let us think about the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the deep. And God spoke and said, let there be what? Let's say it again. God spoke and said, let there be what? So we can assume that there was darkness, but the darkness in that Genesis text even when it's characterized as chaos, if there are those who want to go, whether we characterize it as chaos or nothingness, the darkness is not characterized as evil. The darkness is characterized as that out of which creation comes. Okay, Pastor T, you, you got um, unpack that. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Could you close your eyes for me? 
There's nothing evil about the darkness you're seeing right now with your eyes closed. As a matter of fact, in that darkness with your eyes closed, you are resting in a space of pure potential. Even if you were in a busy, if you were at a busy intersection right now, you felt the need to pray and ask God to move, you're probably not going to pray with your eyes open. You're probably going to find a spot where you can stand still, close your eyes, peer into the darkness and say, God, let there be light in this circumstance. And now let us open our eyes. Even where there is darkness, light is moving. Even where there is darkness, light is showing us that there is abundance. Even where there is darkness, light is showing us that there is wisdom. Or maybe we should rephrase it and say, in the midst of the darkness, we are making room for light to burst through. In the midst of the darkness, we're making room for the creativity of God to help us re-examine and reimagine the situation that we're facing. In the midst of the darkness, we find ourselves wholly dependent on the one whose marvelous light shines through us and claims that we are the light of the world. Salt. Light. Embrace your salt and light experience. You and I have been placed here with the gift of experiencing transformation through our lives in Christ. On a daily basis, the Lord draws us in and says, I want you to look in the mirror and see yourself looking more like light every day. The Lord draws us in and says, just like I came into this earth reality, <laughs> and gave my life for you, I don't want you to forget that I also live for you. You see, we talk about the part of the crucifixion often of Jesus dying for us. But how often do we talk about the end part of that equation of Jesus living for us? Okay, so let's make it real plain theologically. Why do we worship on Sunday? Was that just an arbitrary day that was chosen? Can you say that again, Eileen? So every day, every Sunday when we come in, we're not simply celebrating death. We are celebrating resurrection. We are celebrating life and life more abundant. We are celebrating the fact, and we'll 
and we will intimate it when we get into our, our Eucharistic celebration, we are celebrating the fact that Christ rose. And not only that Christ rose out of this earthen tomb, but Christ rises in us every single time. We breathe in and we breathe out. I know that even if in the most vivid ways, if we can imagine Jesus standing here, and if we can imagine ourselves on a hill or a mountainside, that the displacement caused by the distance of time can make it hard for us to receive the words he spoke then as words that we can truly imbibe. But I want us to understand a little bit of the historical context. When Jesus stood on that hillside, that mountainside, speaking to the people who were gathered, he was speaking to a people whose native land had been possessed by a foreign power. He was speaking to a people who some of the people amongst them had found ways to thrive amidst that foreign power being there. And they were looked at as the elites within their community. But others were just struggling day by day by day. He was speaking to a people who had issues with the way they were taxed. <laughs> he was speaking to a people who had issues with the way the economic system seemed to benefit some in immense ways and it seemed to weigh on others in immense ways. He was speaking to a people who, as they simply tried to exercise their sense of agency to show up as human beings on a daily basis, they were sometimes dealing with food insecurities. They were sometimes dealing with, with, with the ups and downs of an economic system that didn't always include them. They were struggling with issues of identity because there were folks who were coming in and saying that who you used to be has to evolve this way and that way. And, 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 and it was... It sounds like it was 2023. The challenge of this human experience is sometimes the names and the players in the game change, but the universal life situations don't. But just as Jesus stood on that mountainside there, then, and said to our predecessors, 
You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I am here with you. I am in you. I am walking through this with you. I assert that today the spirit of the Lord is here, gathered right here, saying to each of us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But the question is this. Will we embrace our salt and light, our salt and light experience? Will we embrace our salt and light experience as we simply try to be who God has called us to be? Will we embrace our salt and light experience as we attempt to impact what's happening not only here inside of the walls of Eastside Church, but, but, but help Eastside Church evolve into a wall-less church? Where wherever we stand here or wherever we stand, wherever God sends us in the world, wherever our resources and our ingenuity can touch the world, people will experience the people of God. Can we embrace our salt and light experience in such a way where the stuff that everybody else would say tears communities apart and hinders a move of the Spirit of God become what pulls us together so that God and God's own way can kind of laugh at us and say, I had y'all the whole while. Y'all were worried but I never was. So family, today, I don't really come to this point of close with answers. I don't come necessarily with um, a didactic directive. come with a question that I ask us all to ponder and trust the Spirit of God to help us answer. And the question is simply this. What would our church, our community, our homes, our families, our lives, be like if we embrace our salt and light experience. Taking Jesus at his word when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I know oftentimes I'll close by saying that this is the word of God for the people of God. But today I will say this is the question of God to the people of God. And will we walk in a way where we can say, thanks 
be to God. God bless you, family. Good morning, friends. My name is Katie Farmer, and this morning I will be leading our community in a time of collective prayer and confession. This time joins our hearts and minds together with God and with our community. Whether you are with us virtually or in person, whether you're visiting for the first time or have been a part of Eastside for 10 years, I'm thankful that you are here worshiping collectively with us. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, I invite you to respond with, hear our prayer. God, our protector, our creator, our center. We come to you this morning as we do each week with so many emotions. Some of us may be joyful. Some of us come weary. Some of us come with questions and fear, with uncertainty and skepticism. God, remind us that at the same time, you hear each of our prayers as well as the prayers of those around the world. God, help us to be a light to the world, to stand up against bigotry and hate, to show our family, friends, neighbors, and community that we are different. Help us continue to make Eastside really and truly a space for each and every one of us to experience grace, forgiveness, acceptance, love, and true community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, in our world of instant access to news, I often wake up anxious about what might show up in my newsfeed. Today was a good day. The headline was about a balloon, not a massacre. I pray that there would be more days where the news is not devastating. God, I pray that today and every day we can be a light in this world, that we can be a beacon of peace in the storm. God, we lament the violence, war, and injustice in our world. We pray that the community of Eastside will continue to speak up in the face of injustice. We as an Eastside community lament the racism, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, anti-Asian hate, brutality, violence, and other, othering that occurs in our country. Merciful parent, help us be for one another the community that we ourselves seek. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in our community who are fearful, who don't know where they will access medical care, shelter, food, or warmth. I pray that Eastside will continue to be a resource, both spiritually and physically, for those who need our support. I pray that we would give freely of our resources. Lost where I was. <laughs> I pray that we would give freely of our resources and ourselves to move as Christ's hands and feet in our world. We pray for our little free pantry and closet, which we fill and find emptied so many times each week. We pray for all those who use these resources and that our congregation will be able to provide continued access to food and warm clothing in our community in this way. For our neighbors who seek refuge on our steps, for those who don't know where is safe, God, we pray that they will continue to feel respite, love, compassion, and welcome here at Eastside. Equip us as a congregation with the skills to interact with and to love people who are different from ourselves, who may be of a different race, a different socioeconomic status, a different housing experience, who may have different priorities. God, help us to remember that each person in and around this building is a beloved child of God and is our neighbor, our community member, our sibling. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for Eastside's local ministry partners, that our gifts, time, talents, and resources would provide blessings for these valuable organizations. For Wellroot, East Atlanta Kids Club, Brandon Towers, 
in town collaborative ministries and Chris 180. We pray for our national ministry partner, Reconciling Ministries Network, as they continue to sift through narratives and counter narratives about the future of the United Methodist Church and our queer siblings in Christ. We pray for our international partner community, Tikalite, on the island of Laganov, Haiti. Even while we've been unable to visit for many years, we know that our prayers, our gifts, and resources are creating good work in that community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Before we move into today's prayers of confession, I'd like to share these words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that have been on my heart this week. If my sinfulness appears to me to be in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison with the sins of others, I'm still not recognizing my sinfulness at all. How can I possibly serve another person in unfeigned humility if I seriously regard his sinfulness as worse than my own? Now, God, we come to you in confession again this morning as we have so many times before. Lord, we come to you empty-handed and in need of your grace. We pray that you would hear us now as we silently acknowledge before you all the ways in which we have and continue to fall short. God of reconciliation, we thank you that no matter the state of our world or the state of our hearts, nothing can separate us from your love. God, we thank you that in acknowledging our own shortcomings, we find grace that reorients us and offers us hope. Help us live into that hope this day and every day. God, may our words of confession be accompanied by acts of reconciliation. Siblings in Christ, hear the good news. Christ died for us as we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God and amen. I now invite you here in our sanctuary or wherever you are in this moment to greet your neighbors and siblings in Christ with signs of peace. Peace be with you, friends. Amen, amen. Can we give God a hand of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As Karina mentioned, this, yesterday we saw evidence of being salt of the earth and light of the world right out front in the church. And so in the spirit of it's time to go home, <laughs> as our children are letting us know, we have been patient with y'all. Let us stand and with that same boundless energy that we are hearing in them, that same recognition that we are loved and cared for, that same recognition that as much as being the salt of the earth and light of the world calls us to wrestle with weighty things, it also calls us to be filled with a boundless joy and expectation of the good that God will do for us as our divine parent, as our maker, as our father, as our mother, as, as the living presence in us. And so I did say in the spirit of let's go home. So let's lift our hands. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the energy that is filling this space right now. The energy that's filling our hearts and our minds. God, I actually ask that you let us, as we go out of that door, let us follow our children's example, Lord God, and just let go of all the stuff 
embrace the way that you're moving in our hearts and minds so that not only we might be salt and light, but we might be joy. We might be divine energy touching this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray, let our light shine, let our light shine, amen, amen, amen. Let's go in peace, go in joy, family. that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.